big rock there behind you? <laughs> <laughs> Guess what, Joe? What's up, my dogs? It's uh, our first live, sh- live show here down in Nice, and uh, I think we've got approximately 40, 50, maybe even more people around here. Absolutely massive. I remember we starting this out after there was no world championships in uh, 2021, if I'm mistaken. When we started the podcast? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. I wanted to do it for you for, uh, with you for a while, but you uh, were dubious, weren't you, about doing it? I was dubious with regards to my uh, my English, and I said uh, maybe it's not spontaneous enough. And now here we are. We've been to Dubai, we've been to Girona, we've been to Nice, America. We've been cancelled. We've been flipping everywhere. Um, but no, <laughs> no one here during during a live show. And I reckon uh, we should get this show started for the, today's show. We've also got Gustav Eden and Bradley Wise, but we. We'll get to them in a bit. Before we start off, I wanted to... Uh, do you know about the history of Iron Man Nice? Mate, I've got no idea on the history of Iron Man Nice. <laughs> Does anyone know about the history of Iron Man Nice here? So, instead of, Co- instead of Kona, um, this year uh, the World Championship is hosted in Nice, France. The event of travel on Nice was born in the fall of 1982 when Iron Man in Hawaii gained world fame. The idea was to host a world-class triathlon in the Mediterranean Sea, and it was conceived by another organization that wanted to be a direct competitor of Ironman. So the location of the uh, inaugurational Nice triathlon was actually going to be in Monaco. Imagine the prize money in Monaco. You could double it as well, mate, in the (laughs) casino afterwards. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Unfortunately, just two uh, months before it took place, uh, the Princess Grace of Monaco died in a horrific crash, and um, yeah, they had to find a new location. Guess what? Nice. The race was actually a shorter distance back then. Uh, it was a 1,500-meter swim, 100K bike, and then the run would have been a, 30, uh, a full marathon. So I actually would say that would suit you, that course. Like, short swim, longer bike. I will never complain about a short swim, a downstream swim, or anything like that. You know, <laughs> The more of them, the better for me. Anyway, in 2005, the race took its final transformation and became Ironman Nice France. And here we are. I remember a year ago, we did this triathlon together. I was on that gravel bike. I came up the first big climb. It was Col de Vance, and you were sitting there like a fried dog in the shades. <laughs> yeah, I remember that because like last year, I went to uh, I was going to do this race and go all in for it, and then I got the call up last minute for sub seven. I'd been recovering from COVID, so I was a bit like, "Well, oh, we don't really fancy doing two. But my stag party was starting from Nice after the race, so I had to be in Nice for the race. So then I thought, actually, it got close to it. I thought, you know what, I'll I'll give it a good crack. And then uh, day of the race, they changed it to a wetsuit swim, didn't they, Tom? Like because of jellyfish, which we were thinking. Great, we're in here, but the water cooked us, didn't it? <laughs> then got out on the bike, and uh, I just remember going up the big climb, and I was absolutely roasting. There was like one aid station on it. Didn't realise how long it was because we hadn't done any course recce or anything. Like it was literally just like we'll just go into it, and then got to the top. I had to ask the motorbike marshal for some water. Like he had three of them tucked under his seat, three bottles. So he gave me all them, and I thought I'm done with this. I'm waiting. So waited at the top for um, for Tom, and he would come up on a gravel bike. He looked like he'd seen a ghost, <laughs> and we were like, 
discussing our options. What do we do? Should we ride back? Should we carry on? So we ended up riding along and then befriended some age groupers along. And uh, we ended up having a bit of like a, a chain gang, didn't we? Like, you're not even supposed to draft, but we were having a bit of a chain gang and like saying to some of them, come on, stay with us. We'll get you into like Kona, won't we? I think we were within. <laughs> And I think there was actually one age grouper that did qualify for Kona that year due to our uh, efforts on the bike that got him yeah. <laughs> into T2 pretty quick. But, but the, I remember the funniest thing, though, was like we had a motorbike official with us, and we were like, I'd been waiting at the top of the climb for 30 minutes. Tom was on a gravel bike, and we were just riding side by side, and he was like, 12 meters, 12 meters, you're going to get a penalty. I said, mate, we're going to finish in like 12 hours. Like, you know, we're not even doing the run. Go and find someone else, <laughs> didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> great uh, yeah it was yeah it was good fun but what thinking about the um uh, the efforts that day and the temperature of the course what do you think this year you're going to do it differently because there's still going to be jellyfish maybe there is a chance of jellyfish have you done anything different now in preparation in order to um are they trying to mess this up downstairs <laughs> what, what's going on <laughs> yeah uh, well, I've actually done some training, mate, for a change, like, compared to last year. <laughs> That's the main thing. Um, but, yeah, and know, have, knowing what you're expecting. And also, it's not as hot, as it? Like, last time, that was scorching, wasn't it, for this? <laughs> All right, let's go over to uh, the classic highs and lows of the week before we head into... Uh, so, main subject this week, we're going to talk about, obviously, the course um, of uh, what everyone thinks of it, our picks for the race, and then uh, a bullshit buster. Have you got a bullshit buster this time? Uh, no, no, <laughs> mate, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Have you got any highs and lows for this week? Um, uh, not off the top of my head. No, I'll let you go first. I've, uh, Bradley, uh, Bradley, you said you had a few highs and lows, though, didn't you? Like you said, you've got plenty. It's a great way to introduce someone yeah. to a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> No, firstly, thank you guys for having us on. The first time I listened to this show, I think I just thought it was a, a bit of a laugh. And then progressively, I like, got more involved in the podcast. And uh, it's a couple of times I think I've been like mid-rides and had to literally stop my bike because of the two of you just come up with the most like batshit crazy stuff that I'm just like falling off my seat laughing. So firstly, well done for the, the comedic relief from training sometimes. Um, but yeah, getting into, I guess, straight into it, highs and lows. Um, I, I know the format of the podcast, and you two generally don't stick to your own script very well. <laughs> it, start, <laughs> it starts down one line. Tom generally comes in with like an emotional plea to Joe, and he goes <laughs> off on a tangent, doesn't even acknowledge Tom's like desperate plea for help, and <laughs> Joe's off talking about triathlon again. So I feel really bad for you, Tom, most of the time. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes I feel like you need a message on a bit of a DM just to to, to calm you down. Um, but no, I mean, obviously, the, the obvious high, having all of you guys here, um, all of us, the, the bringing the triathlon community together is, is awesome. And it's um, I think it's something that the sport does really well. Um, so it's been awesome to be a part of that. Having a World Championships outside of Kona in Nice suits me really well as a 59-kilogram athlete. <laughs> so that's a big high. Um, I rode the climb again today, and, it, yeah, just every time I, I get out on this course, it gives me a bit of butterflies in my stomach. So hopefully uh, those butterflies carry me to a good result uh, this weekend. Um, and, no, I don't, I don't really have any lows. We had a few lows in Confidential, but <laughs> no, 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 no lows at the moment. No lows. 
There must be one from the from the trip, surely, from the uh, from the train, and one little low. For for those who don't know, um, Bradley has been training with uh, the famous Janice Fredino for uh, a couple of weeks in Andorra, and there has there must have been a session or a day where you were like. Not again, or give us some spice. Like, what, what is, what, what's going on there? Give us some, what we can expect for Sunday. <laughs> was there one day when you were wiped and you were like, I'm done with this? To be honest, I clean Jan's clocks almost every day of, of the <laughs> week. <laughs> I actually am very surprised how well he does. He's, the guy's got some serious BMT, I think. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, if I, if I need to really dig into the closet, trying to swim with that guy every day at altitude is an absolute nightmare. And I, I've, I've really left the pool pretty demoralized a couple of times. Really? Probably like you leave every race. You, um, should, you, should. <laughs> <laughs> you, should, you should try training with Tom. I mean, as he told you, he's a 54-minute Ironman swimmer. Mate, Jan and I went out for an easy swim this morning and we swam 54 minutes. So I'm not so sure why you're so happy about the 54-minute. I am curious, though. I'm always wondering because my reference is Joe. But he always swim, swims with fins, snorkel and paddles. Does Jan does do, do, does he do that? No, mate. That's one thing. Like I brang, I brought my whole <laughs> kit bag to the pool the first time, and he looked at me with these like death, this death stare. Like, what the hell are you doing? Mm-hmm. And I made it through an entire swim once without using one toy. And I was quite proud of myself. And then I popped the pool boy in for the last two hundred meter easy, and looked at me afterwards, and he was like, "You just had to show everyone you were a triathlete." <laughs> <laughs> So right next to me is also sitting Gustav Eden, um, world champion, 70.3 world champion on this course. And I am the first one to take a picture with him back in 20, I think 19, when you became 70.3 world champion. Very proud of that. Um, what's your low? Uh, I would say going 15 minutes into a podcast and not been introduced yet. <laughs> I mean, I am... Um, I'm, I'm obviously not going to have my world champion uh, title after this weekend, but I'm still like the reigning world champion. Here you're just YouTube blabbing about something unrelated, but uh, yeah, that's okay. That's okay. That's my low. The high, I guess. Uh, yeah, it's cool to be here in, uh, in Nice. Obviously, it's not that cool to not be racing, but uh, that was the plan all along. I see so many people like uh, saying on comments, yeah, for, firstly, people actually believe that Christian would race. Like, when you posted it. He isn't, he? No, I don't think so. But uh, for me, that was pretty funny, that we would change the race plan just based on an Instagram post. But, uh, yeah, the plan was never to race, but uh, now I'm also injured. So that's a double reason for not racing here. But, um, yeah, it's cool to be here. Cool to see the course again. This was the last time I could walk at the triathlon event without being stopped uh, every 15 uh, meters. So it's cool to be back. I reckon all eyes are set on 2024. Um, you've had a lot of uh, uh, yeah, unlock and uh, uh, yeah, tragic event happening this year. As of when do, do you start training for 2024? Uh, now I still have uh, three weeks with no running. I did a run yesterday because On told me so. And I said yes, of course, but I was like, uh, I shouldn't do it, but I did it anyway. Uh, so now it's three more weeks with no running, and then I start fully back up again uh, mid-November. All right. Well, hopefully, um, yeah, you're uh, back again next year in, in full swing, because we'd love to see you on the long course, not on the short course, right? 
We want to see you on the long course, mate. That's where, it, where all the action is, you know. That's where, that's where the people want to see you. <laughs> but not in the races where we are entering. Um, <laughs> so my law of the week, um, I had food poisoning. Two days ago, arrived in Nice. Some Frenchman, maybe they listen to the podcast, no, we don't like the Wi-Fi and coffee, fed me raw chicken. I've been on and off the toilet for uh, a day, a full day. Um, yeah, I'm also a big fan of going to the toilet, for everyone knows that uh, listens to the podcast. Uh, so still got a dodgy uh, tummy, but that's Milo. What I don't understand, though, is like why you'd order chicken, because I remember when we were in font and if anyone's been listening to the podcast for over a year, how much did he kick off about getting chicken all the time? And then like, when he's left to his own devices to order anything off the menu, he could have got a beef burger, he could have got, you know, he could have got a salad, he could have got a pizza, he goes for the chicken. So I was thinking, better every day, better starts today. I don't take the double cheeseburger, I'll go for the healthy bacon and avocado chicken burger. <laughs> Guess what? Food poisoning. Yeah, so um, I'll just stick to my pizza and, uh, and, and burgers. Well, have you come up with a low? Uh, oh, mate, like, I haven't even been... Uh, I've, I've, I've had my head in the game thinking about a low since we've been, <laughs> I've been listening to the other stories. I, the only low I could really think was when we moved all our stuff to Antibes and um, we had to, I didn't realise how much stuff I brought from England over here. And we had to fill the car... And uh, we brought all the stuff. We unloaded it outside, literally stuck on the car. Was, we had to park the car in a bike lane, which a bit, uh, bit of a dodgy maneuver. Uh, Tim said it was a, a dog move. Uh, but parked it there, unloaded all the stuff. Then my dad had to drive all the way back to Antibes. Me and Tim were unloading stuff, and it was like six lifts and six goes in the elevator, filling it up to unpacking it. The elevator was going down back, and then my dad went back there to pick the rest of the stuff up from Antibes because, yes... There was more, and then uh, unfortunately we couldn't fit it all in. Another car load, and uh, he is over there. It was a <laughs> but we were just uh, yeah we were waiting out in the sun for him to come back cooking, and uh, that was a bit grim because uh, yeah I struggle in this heat, so uh, waiting out in the sun packing and uh, the car unloading it and stuff like that was a bit grim. I mean it's not really that good low. I'm sorry but like uh, if I had to really find one that was about it because uh, I've, to be honest it's been going pretty well like I mean uh, training's been good it's been good seeing everyone out here and uh, I've just been having a really good time to be honest so I haven't really got many uh, many lows I'm afraid. Fair enough living on a high uh, Burberry brother you know it's uh, <laughs> better than, than having the lows. Anyway, let's head over to um, the course. Hopefully, many of uh, everyone here is racing on Sunday. Um, with Bradley and Gustav here, we're going to try and uh, yeah, give you a uh, um, race prediction as well as a race pacing strategy, maybe, from, from Gustav. Uh, first of all, Joe, as you're the swim expert with all your gear. Um, so, the swim course in the Mediterranean Sea... Wetsuit, non-wetsuit? What well, do you reckon? You say that I'm the swim exit, the swim expert, but like, I don't mean to boast, but I've actually got the fastest Ironman swim time out of all of us. <laughs> like, honestly, I've checked the facts. I've checked the stats. 43 minutes. 43 minutes, mate. <laughs> non-wetsuit in Chattanooga. He's always <laughs> full of secrets. 43 minutes, mate. So I'm Mr. 43. Um... So the swim is a W kind of course. Um, 
How do you think it's going to plan out? Um, do you want to talk about your strategy? Or you My strategy is just to hang on, mate, for dear life. Like, you know, <laughs> hang on until I probably get popped and then just hope that they don't put too much time into me. That's basically my swim strategy every time. What deficit are you looking at, hoping to... Uh Single figures, mate. Single. <laughs> 40 seconds. 40. If that was getting 10 minutes, mate, I'd be a bit worried. <laughs> All right, Bradley, um, you've been training with Jan, so you've got an estimate of what the front pack is, what it tastes like, and uh, how you would compare, well, at least at the altitude. Um, how would you think, would this swim suit you? You've got the body of what I had when I was eight, but then <laughs> a little bit more ripped. Um, you, I would say you're, suit, you're suited for this course, um, but the swim, how, how, how would you say it plans out for you? Yeah, the body is definitely more suited for the climbs than the swimming. Um, but, yeah, I think there are a few really strong swimmers who are going to try and take it out pretty hard. Um, I mean, it's a world championship event, so I think a lot of guys are going to want to be trying to get a, get a bit of a lead out there. Um, but I'd really enjoy swimming in, in the Mediterranean. It's very salty. It's got a lot of buoyancy, which tends to help me a lot. Um, so, yeah, I'll be doing my best to try and make the front pack. And if I do manage to hang on there, um, it'll definitely change the game a lot and um, hopefully have a bit of a lead on the likes of Magnus and the guys who are really going to want to push the bike. Um, if I can get across to the, the big climb of the day um, in contention, then, yeah, all, all bets are off at that point. All right. And Gustav, what do you think with regards to this course? Who's going to come out in the front pack uh, and who's going to be in the chase? Yeah, I don't see why you would try to swim this or that hard in this course because uh, in Kona, obviously, you want to catch like the train and you want to be there. And it's obviously a huge help where the wind is coming from just one side and a bit pack dynamic. But in this course, I don't see a huge benefit on being in the first group. So obviously it's nice to be there because you're more calm and you don't have to think too much. You just have to follow. But uh, yeah, I think this first swimmers is not going to push that hard. Who, who do you reckon the first swimmers is going to be? Uh, Amidia, Hungry, uh, Laidlo. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, uh, Laidlo with probably Jan Ferdino and uh, a couple of others. All right, bike course. Jody, you've done multiple recce's on the bike course. Yes. Yeah. Well, looking at Brad and hearing 59 kilos, I'm thinking, God, that must be a dream going up the climbs, <laughs> mate, on that. Like, like, God, I can't remember the last time I was 59 kilos. Um, yeah, now the bike course is pretty tough, um, very uh, relentless. Um, I think on the climb, like you said, Brad, that like all bets are off when you get onto the climb because I think some people are going to push on, aren't they? They're going to like try and get a bit of a gap and use the weight to their advantage. But then the hard bit, I think, on this course is when you get to the top and you're on the plateau, it's still up and down the whole time. And there's, there's not really a descent where it, on a normal climb, if you push it hard, you could get 10 minutes descending where you can recover and you can kind of get a bit of energy back. Whereas this one, you descend for about 30, 40 seconds, then it's up and down the whole time. And you don't really descend till about 130K. So I think it's, it's definitely going to be a lot of blow ups, especially on that second climb, the 9K one, about 130Ks in. Um, but yeah, I just want to get to the top, to be honest, uh, in a half decent position. Cause I think after that, the course suits me a bit more. That big climb obviously doesn't, isn't like ideal for me. It, it suits people more like 
Bradley, who weighs about the length, the, as much as my uh, right leg and right arm. Um, <laughs> I haven't had so many people talking about my weight in, for as long as I can remember, but I'm starting to build up a bit of a complex about it. <laughs> I'm not that small, am I? I'm jealous, mate. I'm jealous. I'm thinking it must feel so nice climbing like that, you know. I mean, if I give you a rucksack with 20 bags of sugar in, you'd be like, God, like, he's going to struggle. <laughs> it's, it's about time that all the bigger guys felt up with the way I feel, trying to hang on to a train in Kona or on these flat courses that Ironman love to put out. So, no, I'm really looking forward to, to it. And, I mean, the course is like, it's really unrelenting. If you, if you spend too many cookies up front, even just from um, the exit of the swim to, to the town of Vance, there's some really punchy climbs out there. And if you go too deep on that stuff, man, you're going to be paying for it on a marathon. I mean, people mustn't forget this is still a triathlon. We still have to swim 3.8K, bike 180K in the the mountains of Nice, and then run a marathon. So in the end of the day, the most complete triathlete will win this race. It Mm -hmm. doesn't really matter if you set the the KOM up up the climb. It's not going to win the race. Um, So, yeah, I think the most complete athlete will definitely win. It hopefully will bring a few different athletes into the mix, I think. Um, I think some guys who maybe guys nobody's talking about um who uh, haven't really featured on people's radars um there's a few french athletes who come to mind and um yeah i think it's going to be a really good battle out there on sunday suggesting you're going to make the front pack um the riding up the first or second climb pretty hard and even though you're 59 kilos let's say you're in like on the limit are you going to ride on, based on your power I, or are you going to think i'm just trying to hold on for a bit and one of the biggest See, misconceptions about pro racing is that nobody races to power, mate. Everybody races the race. Like, you're trying to keep up, basically. If you can keep up, that's great. If you're feeling good, you're attack and you try and win the thing. Nobody, nobody's sticking to a number on a, on a Wahoo or a Garmin, you know. They, they're trying to, to win the race and trying to beat competitors. And I think this, of course, really offers great opportunity to, to really feed it to your competitors. So if I have the opportunity to put the likes of a Jan Fredino or Sam Laidler under pressure, I'm going to uh, stick it to them for sure. <laughs> All right, my man, my man. Um, Gustav, with you, uh, uh, I think back then in 20, was it 2018? 19. 19. Uh, you came off the bike in the front pack uh, on a road bike. How would you race this course if you were racing on Sunday doing the full distance? I think this course is much worse than the half Ironman because the half Ironman had like two distinct features. It was an uphill and I was kind of flat for a little bit and then it was a downhill. So it's very easy to divide it into two things. Uh, this one, you don't have like a one defining uphill. It's more rolling the whole way and it's much more difficult. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I would say this one, it's, it is pretty hard because... Uh, you can't just attack in one of the uphills because it's so much more to it. And obviously a marathon is much worse than a half Ironman at the end. But uh, I would try to uh, use the aid stations to your advantage. I think I set a record here at one of the aid stations. I took two bottles and two gels in one aid station here in 2019. So that's, that's pretty good. It was just like grabbing, grabbing, grab. So go up the hills with uh, a little bit less of... Uh, Wait on your bike and then grab as much you can at the top hill and then try to eat before the downhills and um, yeah, be ready for the run. Now for this course, if you were able, so we'll just imagine a Sim City, you're able to pick a character. Uh, what kind of body composure would you pick for this course, f- bike-wise, for the bike? 
I think when you're riding a TT bike, it is still so important with power. Obviously, they don't want to be too big, but uh, power to weight is a, it is a little bit exaggerated. And obviously, if you're going to win Tour de France, it doesn't help to uh, have that nice extra kilos. But I think thinking of weight is a, uh, yeah, it's not the way to go. It's much better to just try to be as fit as possible. And then if you're two kilos heavier, then you're two kilos heavier. But if you have two kilos more with blood in your body, then you're going to race a lot faster. Fair enough. The run, four loops around the promenade. Um, hot, not a lot of shade. I think you l- ran one loop the other day uh, in 2022, last year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, last <laughs> year. Yeah, I did one lap of the run. Um, that was actually uh, when we came off the bike. Like, what did we come off? Like an hour and a half down, something like that? I think we were about an hour and a half down, so we just jogged one lap. And we actually, when we came out, you could see Rudy and um, Will, like a French guy, were battling first and second. So decided to just run a lap behind them and see how it was going. And um, what I found from the run was it's very interesting that obviously they were on their third lap then. But the pace was a lot slower than what you'd expect those guys to be doing. So I think the bike takes a lot out of people. And um, if you actually get off the bike and you actually feel half decent on the run there's a lot of time that you can make up. Like Because that was a really big eye-opener, you know, seeing how much the pace came out. And obviously, Rudy ended up winning it and had a really good race. But I think the same thing's going to happen on Sunday, that a lot of people are going to go way too hard on the bike. They're going to get on the run, and they're going to blow up, or you know, they're going to pull out, or DNF, you know, something like that. So I think it definitely makes sense to have a decent amount in you to start the run, because some people are going to lose 10, 15 minutes. Uh, and there's no point killing yourself on the bike. And that was really interesting to see. But the actual run course is a bit boring, isn't it? Like out and back along the coast, four laps. Um, good for spectators so you can see the race. But um, in terms of like excitement, it's not that, ex- that much of an exciting course, is it? Would you rather ri- uh, run four laps of 10, of two of 20? I'd rather do one big one. Really? For a world champs, for a world champs. Like, I think it should be one big loop on the bike, one big loop on the run. You just like to be by yourself, no, no crowd? No, you can no do a crowd, bring it through the uh, town, <laughs> everything like that. You know? If you have do a, four laps, you can see him eight times. You can, but it is carnage out there. Like, I tried watching, <laughs> like, I tried cheering everyone on last year and I, couldn't, I kept missing people. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's, that's, uh, you've got weaknesses and you've got strengths, you know? Maybe I've that's got one bad of your... eyes as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. I, I'd rather, uh, last year in Almere, it was... Uh, six laps of seven k's. I love. Yeah, that was. I actually did. Li- I do like that one. Yeah, that's I, even shorter. I know. But I, I like that one for some reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. One. One question I did have with you two was as well, and with you, Tom, as well. Do you guys think that getting off on the bike, say, like if you look at the top twenty positions, what do you think the biggest group getting into T two will likely to be? Like from what the bike course is like. Do you think there'll be like say? A big group of eight, or do you think it will all be ones and twos and maybe like three might be the most people together? What, what are your impressions on that? Um, I think the front pack will be a group of eight. A group of eight? Yeah, because they're... <laughs> yeah, that's what you asked, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not what you wanted to yeah. <laughs> You think it's something different. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That is because, um, looking at the list, you've got some uh, um, 
obviously, some front pack swimmers. But there's some light guys in there that I think get get caught away and want to be stick with the front pack. So you've obviously got Jan Fredino. He's got no weaknesses. Uh, will be there in the swim and on the bike. And you've got some lightweight guys that swim front pack. For example, Nick Heldorn and uh, Arnaud Husso, who did Emberman, both of them. Uh, so I think they'll have a, a pack of eight, but likely a lot of them will get carried away and then blow up on the marathon. That's what I think. But I think a group of eight into transition. I disagree. <laughs> now, I uh, think the last downhill will uh, really differ. So you can save two minutes or take two minutes if you want to attack and uh, cross the imaginary line. So uh, it's... Uh, it depends on how you ride the last downhill, and many people are getting tired at that point and are not willing to uh, to push the boundaries. And especially if you trust your run, then why would you sacrifice anything on the last downhill? It's very risky, and the reward is yeah, one to two minutes. So if you think you can run five minutes faster than the other, it's just stupid to try to take the time the last downhill. So I think the groups will split up, and it will be like yeah, twos and th- threes coming in. Obviously, the last bit of uh, teething after the downhill is long enough that you can catch up if you want. But at that point, it's no time saving really to uh, to be with a group for 5k at the end of the promenade. So yeah, I think smaller groups. <clears throat> yeah, I think I definitely think is this bike will will split the groups up quite a lot. Um, and I, yeah, I think that a lot of the guys. I mean, in 2019, Gustav was off the front, so he didn't see the carnage that I did. But I came down. I that came hill. with two other. Or it was me, um, Alistair, and Rude together. Okay. Again. Yeah. Yeah, but you didn't see the guys crashing who were trying to <laughs> keep up with you. <laughs> I mean, I, I think I saw like three professionals like in the wall. I mean, Andy Dreitz was like, he had like blood coming from places that you don't want blood to coming from. So. Um, it, it was pretty gnarly, and I think, I mean, that was the back end of a 90k bike. This is going to be 180k, and I mean, I think we've all been at the back end of an Ironman where you, you're really starting to struggle to, to maintain your focus. So coming down that descent, I mean, I think, I think there's going to be some carnage, especially amongst the pro athletes. If guys are really hanging on to a small group that they're in and they don't want to lose it, um, they, they could, yeah, potentially be some, some bad falls on that descent. So I don't wish that on anyone, of course. Um, my advice is that everyone runs their tire pressure a little bit lower for this race, for that descent. It, the roads are really rough out there. Um, so maybe take a slightly coarser compound tire and, and run it at slightly lower pressures to keep the traction. Um, it's not going to be that much of a penalty. So, yeah. With me riding on a gravel bike last year, I can say, yeah, low pressure was really comfy. <laughs> yeah. it was really uh, interestingly, uh, while I was having a little bit of Strava stalk, and I did see, Gustav, that you were like top three on the descent, like from that 2019 one, what you did, like how on the limit did you feel like you were riding that? Was it like you felt like you were safe when you were doing it or were you pushing it to try and get a game? I was extremely relaxed. So I think my heart rate, honestly, was like 90 going down. All right. So you didn't feel like you would like taking risks or anything? Uh, No, I didn't go fast. I went as easy as possible. So it's one thing to try to attack. But I was very comfy, confident in my running there. And I knew that there was no point in trying to attack Alistair. And also Rudy, I didn't see him as that strong of a runner. So my ambition was just as easy as possible and follow Alistair. But I had to uh, catch up a little bit because they went really hard some parts of the uphill. Like attacking like crazy there. In my eyes, it didn't make any sense. 
But uh, yeah, I was relaxed. But at that time, you were also allowed to sit in your top tube. So I was sitting on my frame basically the whole ride down. And that's one of the reasons I also chose a road bike because you're very comfortable and confident sitting on the top tube going down. Now, obviously, it's not legal anymore. And I think for me, that would make an impact of what kind of bike I would choose. So now it would not make sense to have a, um, a road bike for me. So going back to 2019 with the r- current rules, I think I would do a, a TT bike. <laughs> Joe's got a TT bike with 60 bottles. Would you choose that one as well? <laughs> um, I, I'm not sure. I mean, the, the downhill is not the defining part of the race. I mean, it's so long. So uh, if you are confident in your biking abilities, why not? And if you can see where you're going, why not? Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Yeah, Joe, for this race, obviously, um, they said they've changed the course. You've got the right one in your, in your uh, bike computer? I think I did the course the other day, but I had the bottles on, so I couldn't see the lines on the road, <laughs> yeah. mate. <so> <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to hear your top picks for, uh, for the race um, on Sunday. My top picks? Yeah, obviously, without yourself. Without myself? So, second, third, and fourth place. <laughs> Um, I would say top well in any order for the 2-3-4 who I think are like some threats I think Jan could be up there I mean Brad knows how well he's going like I don't like he's got the inside knowledge but um, uh, I think Leon Chevalier is looking like a dark horse and Oh, God, for another one. I should really say uh, Brad, shouldn't yeah, I? Yeah. Uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> I should really say Brad. Um, obviously, Brad's going to be there, but like, if I had to pick someone, el- if I had to pick someone else, um, Ma- if Magnus is in the form that he was in in Roth, then he's going to be, he's definitely going to be up there, but I don't know what his bike handling's like. That's the thing on the descent, whether or not he would lose it. And, Seeing him have a bit of a wobble at the U.S. Open and feel it, saying that they, or I, from what I heard, it might have been due to like not being able to get the training after off. Is he still struggling with fatigue? That's what I would have uh, wonder if that could take the edge off him. But if he's in the Roth form, then I think he's definitely going to be. I mean, we were both there, weren't we, in Roth that day, and he was firing on all cylinders, wasn't he? So if he's in that form, he's going to be tough. Um, but it's a very open world champs, I think, and you've also got like. A few other French guys. There's, there's, there's so many, isn't there, on this course? And it's so not knowing how this race pans out. Like when you've watched Kona and you've been in it a lot of times, you know that generally, if you want to win, you need to swim in the lead pack or pretty close to it. Bike fairly close to the front. You need to be coming into transition two or three minutes behind, and you kind of know how the how the game plans out if you want to win it. Whereas this one's just so new, isn't it? Like, is it going to be one on the bike, or are people going to go crazy on the bike? die and then someone a lot of runners come through and run the way up um gustav who are your top picks for this race uh i think patrick will do well here uh which one i think uh yeah he is such a good runner he is running so incredibly fast and uh i think he is a smart racer usually and um yeah, he. I think he will be up there, and Jan obviously will be up there. He is, uh, yeah, training in Andorra, quite similar, 
but much steeper conditions, so know how to handle a bike. And uh, yeah, also I do agree with Magnus. It's difficult with him. He is insane. Our Roth performance was insane. Like the bike and also his running now is very very good. So, uh, but yeah, I will go with Bradley. Here. Yeah, and uh, I, I will go with you. <laughs> third, but third, <laughs> third. It's okay with third. I'll take that. Yeah. <laughs> also, uh, wait one second, Gustav. Um, when you were doing short course, you were still younger. You were obviously in, in triathlon uh, your whole life. Did you have someone, like an example in triathlon that you look up to, that you have been racing over the last two, three years? Uh, I kind of, I don't have that many sporting heroes. In sports, I usually just follow my friends and those kind of things. I don't pay attention to people that I don't really know and I don't feel like a hero connection to someone I see on TV so I don't really have uh, have that but obviously it's it's people that you get to know and then you're th- realizing that they are generally like yeah good people and amazing athletes and just yeah so I don't have any sporting heroes I was like okay wow I'm gonna race against uh, Alistair or Jan or whatever I was uh, never like that so saying like you're more uh, uh, looking at the friends, they're doing well. Were well, you referring to that 54-minute swim? Yeah. Yeah, I was so <laughs> proud at that moment. I was like, wow, he finally broke an hour. All right. <laughs> hey, Bradley, who are your picks for the race, for this race? If you can't pick uh, yourself, obviously. <laughs> you can pick yourself uh, two free for. You know, two free. <laughs> yeah, I think you guys have covered most of the, the top contenders. Um, I think maybe just leaving out a couple of the French guys, you know, um, somebody like Clément Mignon, yeah. who's the current defending champion at this course. Um, I think he could do really well. I think maybe his run is just probably a few percent off, um, but if he can put it together on the day, he'll do really well. And then, yeah, another one you guys didn't really mention is Sam Laidlow, and a guy, like, he, he's fueled with confidence, so if you let him off the front of the bike too much, um, he, he'll, he'll keep going, and I mean, he is a He's a French athlete after all, and I think the, the crowd will really feel him. Um, so, yeah, I think one of the great things about this race, as you guys have seen, it's really difficult to pick a podium, um, which makes it awesome. And I think it's very exciting for triathlon um, that nobody really knows how this is going to go. Um, but if you put a gun to my head, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to vote Jan every day of the week. Yeah? Janice? <laughs> yeah, no, 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 it was actually Patrick Lang. Was it? It was, yeah. I, I raced, <laughs> can I say I raced, Jan? <laughs> in my first 70.3, I, uh, I was in the same race as Jan Fredino, but I, was, uh, I had no clue what triathlon was. I was just in a 70.3, and someone was saying, Jan Fredino is racing. Wow, you're there. And I said, Jan who? So I had no clue. But I was watching the Ironman World Championships, and that's when Patrick Lang won, and that's what, when, I, when I thought, like, I already stopped doing triathlon at that time. I thought I'd just do a 70.3, but I watched the World Championships, and I saw Patrick Lang winning. I, was like, I thought, damn, these guys are fit. <laughs> so uh, I saw him winning, and then I thought, I'll just sign up and try and qualify for Worlds. So Patrick Lang was actually back then my hero. He was your inspiration. Yeah. Jody, um, the bullshit buster, you have got one? You have thought of one? I haven't thought of one, mate. I thought that this, is, this is normally the stuff what's down to you. You're normally <laughs> the one, the brains behind it. Uh, I haven't one. Have, have Bradley Gustav? Have you got a bullshit buster? Something you have seen in the scene 
that you've got on the top of your head are you thinking why are people doing this or why is this product on the market just anything that comes up uh no i i don't think so uh not on the top of my head at least probably just canyon trying to come up with a bike that can compete against the trinity which they haven't managed to do yeah it, that is impossible though yeah instagram post of the week um yeah i haven't looked mate <laughs> <laughs> But I know you got one because uh, we chatted about this the other day. We saw, uh, who was it again? Uh, it was uh, from Jumbo Visma, uh, Sepp Kuss. Oh, yes. Yeah? Yes, we've got a good one. Uh, and that was, we were saying, there was an Instagram post that someone sent us. And it was two examples. And there was one like some female podium from an Ironman. I can't remember what one it was now. And there was alcohol-free beer. And it was a bit depressing, like, you know, like a little cheers and... No one wanted to drink it. And then the guy said, and this is how cyclists do it. And then there's Sepp Kuss winning a stage of the uh, Vuelta and he's given a bottle of champagne and he's absolutely nailing it, it, isn't he? And the guy's like, he's still got 14 stages to go, isn't he? (laughs) So that's the thing sometimes um, with triathlon as as a getaway. So now obviously uh, world champs, but... It's okay to have a beer so now and then, right? Uh, I mean, if you don't like alcohol, it's all right. But I think people sometimes are too anal about not drinking anything 16 days before the race or after the race, just one beer because I got another Ironman in 17 month, months, you know? Whereas in World Tour, they just smash a bottle and they've got 14 stages to go. <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying anything, mate, with my sparkling water. <laughs> I'm staying out of that. <laughs> but you no, know, normally you're, you're, you're up for a beer. Like, oh, after the race, yeah, definitely, yeah. totally. Yeah, no, it's good uh, It's good to see you in form. I've got you for my top pick, obviously. Um, hope you're doing well. You had to, mate, you had to. I had to, <laughs> I had to. <laughs> I want to thank uh, Gustav and Bradley Weiss for, uh, for coming on. And, um, yeah, thanks for listening, and uh, hopefully we'll see you back next week. Do the bark now. Woo, woo, woo.